0: show, where we talk about the crossroads of the environment and our health, with Richard talk to me guy and as we know, Sherry Edwards is off working on the soundhealthportal.com. If you would like to know more about the Sound Health Portal, which I think you would, you can go to soundhealthportal.com, scroll down to see the current campaigns. I think this is a great way to experience the portal for free. The campaigns are free sample programs that you can run your vocal print through. And when we say, use the term vocal print, that's a vocal, just a voice recording, nothing magical about the recording. It's a voice recording. And now it's great because you can actually do this online with a sound health portal. And you could chick, pick a campaign, uh, let's say BioDiet, for example, because they rotate through, the free ones do, or stem cells, or fibromyalgia, or Corona Conflict, or some of the ones currently. And you can pick one, like let's say BioDiet, and you sign up for a free account. You pick BioDiet. The system will walk you through doing two 30 to 40 second recordings. You'll submit those with the campaign that you're interested in. As I said, I choose BioDiet. You submit that recording and get back a report within two to six hours is sort of typical. And they'll email it to you. And I recommend sitting down with a cup of tea and reviewing it because there's a lot of information in there. And the process of the recording, Sherry's taking advantage, or her work is really based on the voice and the vagal nerve, which is to the side of your throat. And so when you speak, the information... Well, actually, let me back up slightly. So when the voice is run through the software program, it's broken down into all its little bits. It's just information. It's just... Vibrations, really, but it's called, you know, either notes or tones. And it's broken down into that information and compared to tens of thousands of patterns that have been gathered and figured out. And what will happen is you'll end up seeing a chart at some point where, let's say, one of the things when you see the actual portal in work, at work, you'll see a chart that Sherry has come up with not too long ago that shows you the thing that you want to look at now. It could be something that's either hypotonistic, very low, or hypertonistic, very high. And both of those can be about assimilation one way or another, like you might be assimilating too much or you might have a stockpile and you want to help the system either detox that or do something with it or or it's a nutrient that you're not assimilating, a B vitamin that you're not really getting in your body because of the methylation cascade. And so it all turns it into a visual chart where you can see, like, here's the thing I want to focus on now. So if you do something like biodiet, you can see that there might be an imbalance in something that you're assimilating that can either cause a, some kind of reaction, like, let's say, inflammation. Like, let's say you have a high GMO grain diet and you find that you have a reaction to that, that, may show up, that can show up and often will show up in your vocal print. And one of the ways to see that is then go back to the Sound Health portal, scroll down to the videos at the bottom, and watch Sherry do a live workup online. Uh, pick a category that you're interested in, because there are a bunch of videos there now. And watch that video demo of her from the point of origin of talking to somebody online, a volunteer, do the voice recording, run it through the software, see the charts, have Sherry talk about the charts. And it's a great way to then really have an idea of what the process of working a workup, a vocal workup, looks like. And it's really, it's quite extraordinary. And for me, it's even having worked with Sherry on and off for years, that it's even more extraordinary that we can do it online now. So I just carry around a small microphone. Uh, I happen to really like the Samsung Go mic. Also really good for improving audio and Zoom. I can just carry that in my bag. I go to visit somebody. They have something going on. I plug it into their computer. I walk them through doing a recording, and we can get some information in really fast time. So that's at soundhealthportal.com, and the videos, as they say, are at the bottom of the page. To hear and share replays of the show, about 20 to 30 minutes after you hear the outro music, you can go to talktomeguy.com. I'll put that in the show notes. And scroll down that page, and this show will be at the top of the list of the episodes. There are about 350 hours of shows there now. And there will be complete show notes with all the links we talk about and link back to Christine's, uh, Dr. Christine's LymeSupport.com. And at, right below those show notes is a player, so you can listen to it right from there. The show, The, the site was built to be very mobile-friendly so it's really easy for you just to pull them up in your phone or your tablet or your laptop or anywhere, really. And on any small mobile device like a phone or tablet, you can just scroll down below the show notes and click that player, and you'll be able to listen to it right there. And there's a lot of information here, and then some. So I highly recommend listening to it again. With that, Dr. Christine Arsenault is a pharmacist who has a deeply personal connection to the chronic effects of Lyme disease. She's on a mission to help others with Lyme, navigate their health, and support them in following a treatment plan. Christine has been a practicing pharmacist since 2008. After earning her doctorate, she went on to work as a clinical pharmacist in a large teaching hospital for six years. She then managed an integrative pharmacy where she worked with nutritionists, herbalists, and other practitioners to emphasize a holistic approach for patients. She's a functional medicine certified health coach and also has certifications in cannabis medicine. Christine has an invaluable breadth of knowledge of how to utilize Western medicine's wisdom and combine that with her passion and natural options in addressing the root causes of disease for optimum health and wellness. She helps clients release blocks holding them back from true healing. Christine founded Lyme Support in 2019 to guide those struggling with tick-borne infections to a place of health and hope. Now her professional focus is solely as a functional medicine-certified health coach and supporting others who are struggling with tick-borne diseases to change their life and truly heal through her programs. Dr. Christine joins us to discuss Surviving Lyme. Ninety days to navigate your disease, reclaim your health, and surviving to thriving chronic illness. Welcome, Christine.
1: Thank you, Richard. I'm happy to be here. Thanks for having me.
0: I could have read more about you, but we don't have that much time. You have <laughs> you have a broad, broad background. It's really quite, and and plus your own personal um, journey through Lyme. Uh, yes. Yeah. But I, want to, but I want to start with a – I've talked to you enough backstage to have to ask why a doctorate in pharmacy, you, from, from reading, listening, spending time at your Lyme support site, you seem much more like a naturopathic doctor in the sense of your <laughs> thinking and your overview. Mm-hmm. And so it always surprises me when I have talked to you or as I read about your, your doctor in pharmacy, and I'm thinking, what – <laughs> Not that it's bad. I think it's a phenomenal, I think actually pharmacology is an underrated science. I mean, you, meaning the pharmacist, know more than the doctors about the chemistry of, I, I will say that. I don't know that you can say that. But I've always had that experience where pharmacists know a lot more about medications than doctors. But you, as I say, seem much more naturopathic by nature. So wh- how did you get into be, becoming a doctor in pharmacy? Were you already looking for Lyme at that time?
1: No, so I, I became a, a doctor in pharmacy kind of before I started being really interested in natural options. I mean, I've always been somewhat open to a more holistic approach. I, I grew up in Germany where alternative medicine is a little bit more accepted than the U.S., um, so I think that helped shape it as well. But really, it was when I started having my personal journey my personal health issues, and kind of started digging deeper and deeper, that I realized that there's so much more to the world than just the physical layer. And, you know, in my training, we are trained to just look at one thing, you know, looking at disturbances in the body and how we can correct them with chemistry by giving a pharmaceutical. But when I was actually healing, I realized that it's not just about that physical layer. It's not just about um, killing an infection if you have a bacteria, but it's about really complete healing, which means you have to look deeper. You have to look at root causes and you have to assess your mindset and your emotions. And it's really mind, body, spirit, not just the physical body. And so that's when I started to become more and more passionate about more natural options. I,
0: I, I've i talked to a lot of doctors and, I re- and, and a lot of them now are functional medicine practitioners. But I have to say, in my years of seeing doctors, I rarely have said, have you thought about what you're thinking or mindset or have you taken a walk in the woods? You know, there's, none of, there's rarely that is any part of the stuff that they suggest. So it's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's like it's time for, well, that's a whole other show. It's time for Western medicine <laughs> to be re-interviewed. I'll just say that and we can just let that lay over there like a dog resting, there's that. Perhaps it's time for an overview, you know, a little workover of Western medicine and their limited thinking.
1: And was it
0: when you were in school? When was your aha moment of you having Lyme since you were really a small person?
1: Yeah, so I didn't realize I had it. I got bit by a tick when I was nine years old. I didn't get the diagnosis until I was 29. And so there was a lot that happened in that time. But for the most part, I thought I was healthy. I had issues that kept coming up, but I didn't realize that they were connected. Um, I had a lot of skin issues, a lot of gut issues, a lot of infections and weird viral issues and things that would pop up. But I didn't realize there was something underlying going on until I started to have kind of some more serious things happen. And that's when I started looking into my health more and looking into... Just the way the world works and um you know the toxins that we're exposed to and how that affects us and how health is really about building resiliency and becoming the most resilient version of yourself that you can so that you can withstand some of these offenders in our environment and so i think my aha moment it was it was probably even before i realized i had lyme disease um I had a miscarriage and it turned into this rare form of cancer. And so I Hmm. had to get chemo, I had to get chemo for that. And it was, it was as I was sitting at the cancer center, getting my infusions um, and reading, I was reading a book by Dr. Mark Hyman about, you know, toxins Hmm. in our environment and how it affects our health. And I was just thinking like, you know, I'm sitting here at the cancer center and there's no education on nutrition. There's no, you know, like organic smoothie bar, you know, there's a volunteer walking (laughs) around handing out cookies and crackers and things, things that feed cancer. And I was just like, it got me thinking about our system. And that's when I really started to shift my perspective, you know, as a pharmacist and, and started to realize there's a whole other world out there. And actually at that time I started a skincare company using products that were completely edible because what you put on your skin is just as important, if not more important than what you eat. And that's when like the aha first started. I didn't even know I had mine yet, but I realized that the world that we live in, a lot of things just didn't make sense if you wanted to prioritize your health.
0: Boy, howdy. (laughs) I'm laughing because I was in about 10 years ago, I was in a healthcare facility for a year, back-to-back surgeries, a bunch of stuff. And that was one of the biggest fights I had with one of my doctors, not my GI doctor, the sort of the facility doctor was, we fought for about the first month while I was going through the major surgery. Mm-hmm. And at some point, and it was always about, you know, I was just trying to get things into me in the facility. I had a fight with the manager of the facility when somebody brought me vitamin C,
1: mm-hmm.
0: just simple packets of vitamin C and, she was like, well, you have to run that by your doctor. And I had a string of bad words with the manager. <laughs> um, and then eventually the doctor and I had a fight about it. He was like, no, the thing in this, you know, and we, we just fought about it. And at some point, she finally just said to me, okay, I get it. You know what you're talking about. You know what you're doing. Do what you're doing. Just let's not talk about it that was sort of her resolve of like because I was taking herbs I was taking a clean protein shake instead of the spooky food that they would throw out in the tray at you every night and and that and I I still had I mean I was still in the facility for a year because of the complications but it was that I was actually neutrifying my system and then at some point actually I had some of the station nurses who were coming to me and asking me questions about things like vitamin C and I Probably like yourself, vitamin C is like the most regular thing you'd have in your life, even when you kind of don't know a lot, you're going to be taking vitamin C. So it was just that kind of thing of like it really I mean, this was a 250 bed hospital or not hospital, but facility. It was a large facility. And to think that vitamin C was the enemy Really blew my I was not a fan of Western medicine the sense of the, the same things you're talking about their way of thinking and the limited beliefs and the a bunch of stuff that they just like here take this pill and come back after you're done taking that pill. Mm-hmm. Versus the idea of nutrifying the system seems like nutrification is not a word Western medicine thinks about. Um, I don't have any place to go with that. It just blows my mind. I, I think that's really the bottom line. It just blows my mind. That yeah the idea of and this will I'll, I'll jump into asking about this is not a fair comparison but it just came to mind as I was reading and listening about your work I I can't tell if I kind of think you want to heal the gut first but I think that about most conditions is a herbalist heal the gut first or heal the mind first it seems like you kind of want to start with both of those in the same time and, and does that make sense? In, and especially in your work, do you start with the gut yeah. and move to the head or is it all at the same time?
1: Well, you know, it's really, it's always individualized. The patient or client always has the answer. It kind of depends on what they are ready to tackle. Not everybody mm-hmm. is ready to, to start working on their mindset. Sometimes, you know, the people that I work with are chronically ill and sometimes they're just feeling so bad on that physical level that we have to make some adjustments and get them feeling a little bit better first. And then they're at a place where we can really start tackling the mindset. Um, you know, it always has to be individualized. It always has to be, has to be personalized. It always has to be whatever's going to work for that person and what habits uh-huh. they're actually willing to implement in their life. Because I can give them the perfect plan, but if they don't follow it, it's going to be useless. Right. So. It always comes down to that person. Um, But it it is interesting that you mentioned the gut. That is where I started um, myself because by the time I had my Lyme disease diagnosis, I had been sick for 20 years without knowing it. And so my gut was pretty destroyed at that point. It didn't make sense to, you know, start taking antibiotics or something that was going to affect my gut um, even more. So we started by cleaning up my gut and fixing that first. And, you know, your immune system is in your gut. And so if you are able to get that to a better place, then your body is able to start fighting off the infections naturally on its own. It's going to help the whole process. And then the other interesting thing is the gut and brain connection. And so a lot of times when you have, you know, anxiety, depression, things going on in your brain, it could be a gut issue because we have the same receptors in our gut that we do in our brain. And so it makes it easier to address your mindset if you're able to get your gut in better balance so that you have less severity of some of those symptoms going on in your brain and your mood.
0: Mhm, mhm. And then, and don't you also feel or you've observed working with people that as their guts feel better, they feel better overall? And I don't just mean health-wise, there's a certain... I think the gut is sort of like that thing about the, you know, the this old thing that I, my audience is so tired of me talking about the Siberian tiger, but if, the, if we think about the, Siberia, the Siberian tiger, we go in, you know, our brain thinks about it and is like, whoa, what's that? And I mm-hmm. think the same versus actually seeing the tiger, they're not really different, and I think that that's the same as true of the when the gut begins to settle down, it's sort of the central engine for the whole system. And I think once mm-hmm. it gets calmer and less threatened and less stressed out, I've observed that in people just helping them get on or helping them or working with them, getting them on probiotics and maybe a little bit of detox and just start there that they come back in a little while yeah. and they're, they're already calmer just from that. That's true. Oh,
1: absolutely. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you are, you know, less bloated and pooping regularly, you're going to feel better, you know, the minute you can get your gut in a better condition. And then, you know, you mentioned the tiger, and that kind of ties into the whole fight or flight as well. Mm -hmm. And you you want that balance between the sympathetic system, the fight or flight, and the parasympathetic, which is rest and digest. And that's when we're supposed to be digesting, resting, is when we're not stressed out and fighting that tiger. And so um, that the gut can just kind of, you know, if we're able to be more in that parasympathetic state, then our gut's going to be working better, digesting better, and we're going to be absorbing things better. So that's going to help with our nutrient levels as well, which helps us to feel better.
0: Shocking. Shocking, I say. Make (laughs) the gut happy. Make it assimilate. Make it do what it wants to do. That's a radical idea, (laughs) (laughs) at least in some thinking. And then uh, I'll get back to the gut, but I really know that when we talked, just for a little show prep, that mindset is seems to be i th- i think a real sleeper and particularly having again having a retail herb store for years that there back in those days the mystery diseases were like chronic uh chronic fatigue syndrome candida you know those kinds of things sort of the old what we mm-hmm. sort of think of as older timing illnesses and it seems mm-hmm. like lyme is one of those in that same category of when somebody, oftentimes people would come into the herb store who'd been to a doctor and then were coming to me like, "What do you think? What should I? Are there some herbs I should be taking?" And that, and there was sort of the mystery category. And I think Lyme, to me, is in that same thing of of people go and they have it, it's this mystery illness. And and mm-hmm. why why is that? Is it just because it's so? It involves so many of the systems, or because it alters the system in such a way that it's hard to track? It's not like a broken bone. You can go to a doctor and they'll fix a broken bone, but you go to a regular doctor with Lyme, and they're like, I don't know. Yeah, try taking this. Take a broad. <laughs> take some
1: antibiotics. Yeah. Um, oh gosh, where do I even start? So um, sorry, <laughs> Lyme. <laughs> So, Lyme is known as the great imitator because the symptoms do mimic so many things, and so sometimes people will get misdiagnosed or additional diagnoses like fibromyalgia, chronic fatigue syndrome, candida overgrowth usually does pair with Lyme as well. Different autoimmune conditions. Sometimes people get misdiagnosed with MS or Parkinson's. Um, So it can be a confusing picture and. If, um, if you know if, if the doctor is not that familiar with longer term Lyme, then they might get misdiagnosed with something else. And so that brings me to you know Lyme and why it's controversial and misunderstood. And I think it's important to point out that there's kind of there's different levels of Lyme. So there's the the typical textbook version where somebody gets bit by a tick, they develop a bullseye rash. And it's a clear case of Lyme disease. They go to the, their doctor, they get on a course of antibiotics, and it's gone. Those are not the people I see. The people that I see have, you know, maybe they didn't even know that they got bit by a tick. Maybe they, they got misdiagnosed with something else. Uh, maybe they got it at birth and they weren't aware of it. Um, and once it's been in your system for a long time, it it makes it a lot harder to get the diagnosis, to understand what's going on. And a lot of healthcare practitioners just aren't trained on the chronic versions of Lyme or the persistent versions or the versions that persist after treatment. If you don't treat adequately, you know, with the right medications for long enough. So it can get confusing quickly and it's just not that well understood in, in the medical society. So, um, People are sometimes passed around to different specialists, different practitioners, misdiagnosed, or even worse, just kind of told it's in their head, told that it's anxiety, given an antidepressant, and um, it's sometimes just not taken seriously because they don't have the concrete data to look at if they didn't just get bit by a tick and have the traditional bullseye rash. Wow.
0: Um, And now I want to step slightly sideways because in the process of, again, researching you and listening to some shows you were on, or I can't remember if I, at this point, it's always a blur of if I read it or if I heard it. But somewhere, you mentioned something about a book called Bitten by Chris Newby. Yeah. And this, this blew my mind. Like, what? <laughs> so please talk about that for a moment. Give yeah. us a little, you know, yeah. that's like, what? Are you kidding me? No. Oh, excuse me. Yeah, talk so, about that, please.
1: So, the House of Representatives has actually ordered the Pentagon to review if it has exposed Americans to weaponized ticks. And so, you can read the book wow. written by Chris Newby, which will go into more detail. Uh, but basically, during the time frame of the '50s to like the mid '70s, they were. Um, you know, doing some research on bacteria and ticks, potentially injecting ticks with different bacteria and potentially um, some ticks were released and people were exposed. So there's this thought that Lyme disease could actually be, you know, a, a form of bio-warfare. And that is potentially one of the reasons it's a controversial diagnosis. And, um, yeah, we don't have quite all the information out yet, um, but I would recommend reading Bitten to, to learn more about that.
0: Wow. That's a whole other show. I'll just back yeah. away from that. <laughs> that was really like,
1: No. You know, isn't it can't
0: there be an illness that is just an illness? Does it have to be something out of a lab? That's all I'll say about that. That's a that's a whole book title right there. Um Yeah. <laughs> Now I'm I'm going to jump to asking you about some protocols. I want to get back to mind, body, spirit, but I want to ask about some protocols because you did a lot. I mean, part Mm -hmm. of your own healing process was research by (laughs) self-exposure. I mean, in a good way. You went everywhere. You did a lot of research trying to figure this out. And you used things and (laughs) you see even the sound like (laughs) I did. it, It was a lot. Um, but it's, a great, it's an amazing way to do research. And so yeah. you, I'm just going to rattle these off, and then you can talk about the ones you would like to speak of. So okay. there's ozone, and then there's the question for me about ozone, about IV or insufflation. That's a separate thing. And then there's vitamin C IV, possibly hyperbaric oxygen tanks, hyperthermia, which I sort of call pizza oven therapy, uh, herb supplements, and, of course, possibilities of Meyer cocktail. So yeah. actually, let's start with hyperthermia, because I think that of everything that in that list, I've talked about a number of them. And I interviewed the doc who wrote the book about Dr. Hack, who wrote the book about hyperbaric oxygen tanks. And let's talk about hyperthermia, than possibly ozone, I think. Hyperthermia okay. is sort of a sleeper. Is, it, is hyperthermia more of a European thing than here? Yes. Or, um, okay.
1: So hyperthermia is not approved in the U.S. um, to the degree that it is in other countries as far as how hot they can get you. Um, So they do do it in Germany and Mexico. And basically, they found that the bacteria that causes Lyme disease is called Borrelia, Um, Borrelia burgdorferi, or there's other species. And when it gets held to a certain temperature, the bacteria is killed off. And so um, hyperthermia can be effective in that it kills off um, the bacteria completely. And so the way that the procedure works is you are in – it's called a heckle bed. It kind of looks like a sophisticated tanning bed. And they warm your body up to 106.9, and they hold you there for two hours. And that temperature is – what the science shows is needed in order to kill the bacteria off. And in addition to just killing the bacteria, the heat also stimulates your immune system. So that helps, you know, the whole process helps to kind of um, get all those die off bacteria and clean that up. Um, And it's, it's just really stimulating your immune system so that you can take care of things better. And um, it's also busting through biofilms because the bacteria they like to hide, they like to take on different forms to evade the immune system and to evade antibiotics. And so they make these biofilms that are hard to penetrate through those. And then the heat also makes the antibiotics more effective because it makes them able to penetrate deeper um, if you give them during the process of hyperthermia. So yeah, that can definitely be a really helpful tool for people that are looking to do something on a physical level.
0: It sounds to me like doing hyperthermia would be beneficial for any immune suppressed or immune, you know, to help stimulate the immune system. And biofilms, that seems amazing.
1: Yeah. Yeah. They use it for cancer as well. Um, That's when that's where I believe it first started being used for. And then they discovered that it also works for Lyme disease.
0: Amazing. Wow. And yeah. and ozone, IV or insufflations? I, I used to design water purification systems and did a lot of medical research on ozone, so I'm a big fan.
1: Okay. So I didn't personally use ozone, um, okay. but the facilities that do hyperthermia, they use ozone as well and hyperbaric oxygen and different um, other things. So they have a whole set protocol in addition to the hyperthermia to, to really get at the Lyme at all angles. So ozone is another tool that can be really effective um, for Lyme as well as mold issues. A lot of people are dealing with mold as well that have Lyme disease. And I've, I've seen it given IV or through, you know, rectal insufflations or different ways as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: And what about back to vitamin C? What about vitamin C IV drip?
1: That was one thing that I used. Um, just, you know, in my immune system and help with detox. And um, it's, again, something that's pretty common in, in Germany, at least, I don't know if all of Europe, uh, for cancer patients to help with your immune system. Vitamin C is a powerful antioxidant and antimicrobial. Uh, and you have to do pretty big doses, like 50 grams um, to 100 grams IV. And that was something that I feel like really helped, Support me as I was healing. Mm-hmm.
0: Well, and with IV vitamin C, you don't have the bowel tolerance issue. This is actually in the form of a question, even though it doesn't sound like it. You don't have the bowel tolerance issue taking IV vitamin C, whereas if you took that high, if you were even capable of taking high oral doses, you'd have bowel tolerance issues.
1: Right. The vitamin C has a dose limit when you take it orally because diarrhea is as your your limiting factor in right. your dose? You can only go up to a certain point, and it, it's just so irritating that you can't go higher. So right. when you do it IV, you can get to much higher doses to really you know saturate your cells.
0: And did you do vitamin C?
1: I did. Yep, I and found it you, very did, helpful.
0: Okay, I just think it's a it's. We won't. This is a whole separate conversation, but we won't get into it. I think now there are things happening with people, whereas if they were taking vitamin C IV drip as soon as they thought they had something. It's going to do nothing but good. It's not. Am, am I reading that incorrectly? I mean, it just seems like vitamin C IV, if you can get it, I mean, it's available in California. I know practitioners doing that kind of thing. It just seems, why wouldn't you do that? I mean, there's cost. I know it can be expensive, but it seems like a real good bump to the system to get the immune system like, wow, I feel much better now on a regular basis.
1: Yeah, I agree. Um, there are certain people who have certain genetic mutations that aren't able to do high doses. Their body, okay. their system isn't able to handle it. Um, but for the most part, yeah, it's, it's really benign. There's not going to be many side effects other than, you know, it is an IV. So there's always a risk if they're poking your skin Um mm-hmm but it, that's pretty low risk. And then there's just, you know, the money and time involved. Um, I had a hard time can't, um, you know, tolerating the IV cause it's pretty irritating, um, to your veins. I had to go pretty slow. So it, it did, you know, mm. take a couple hours for me to get my dose in. So I would, right. I would say that's probably the biggest factor is the time and money with it. But, um, I agree. It, it's a great boost to your immune system and it's pretty benign.
0: Yeah. I, I mean, I pretty much regularly take just on a daily basis, particularly now with stuff that's happening, I'm taking 68 grams a day, but I've been doing it for a long time. It's a buffered vitamin C and it's just yeah. a fizzy vitamin C that I put in water and I drink and it has minerals and electrolytes. And I don't know, I have the immune system of an ox, <laughs> I think.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and speaking of thinking, Well, I was going to ask about probiotics and that, but I'll get back to that because I really want to talk about the – another kind of sleeper category is this mind-body-spirit thing. (laughs) And I mean that in such a positive sense. It's such a – again, being in a health store for years – now, this was in the 80s – in an area which was near Eslin so there's a lot of you know thinking and meditating and that kind of thing but in the health field in general i don't think there's that much addressing of this category of how your mind body spirit can affect your immune system yeah and how if yeah. once you and also you did word use a really great word when we talked this past week you talked about identity clearing. Well, that, I added the term clearing. You talked about identity and and Mm -hmm. talk about all that because I think that is such an underrated potential benefit to the immune system and headspace. Yeah. Is that headspace? Please talk about that.
1: Absolutely. So mindset, mindset is everything because you have to overcome your mind every day. You know, you, your mind is always there and it's always going to affect things and you can have a healing mindset or you can have a hopeless mindset and whatever you feed is what's going to grow. So you have to be really careful of your thoughts and your words and I words as spells, you know, what you say, what you put out there um, has a certain frequency. It tracks everything to it. That's at that frequency. So especially when you're saying, um, even just saying you're healing instead of saying you're sick for instance could have an impact so you have to be really careful about the words that you use and so one maybe unconventional thing that i did when i was healing was to choose different words than what i wanted to say instead of you know reinforcing the pain that i was in instead of just starting with, instead of saying my Lyme disease, my this, I wouldn't say my, because I didn't want it to be mine. I wanted to create distance between myself and my diagnosis, because it does become your identity. And I would start to, I, I would just stop talking about my symptoms. I would be in pain. I would be fatigued, I'm really struggling. But instead of complaining to a friend about my pain, I, was, I just made the decision It was just like a very distinct moment one day where I was like, this isn't working. I'm going to choose different words. And I just stopped talking about my symptoms. I started, you know, doing manifestations, talking about being in perfect health and leaning into that and feeling that and not talking about how I was in pain and it was, I definitely had some resistance at first because it felt almost like I was denying, like, well, I am in pain. My body hurts. Like, this is real. But the more that I talked about it, the more real that it became. So during this whole process of getting well, which was basically a four-year process where I concentrated on my health, I just shifted the words that I used, and I started speaking into what I wanted instead of what I had. And it almost felt like pretend at first but doing that and feeling into that is what enabled things to change and I had learned throughout this process that my thoughts create my reality and my words are important and so I knew I couldn't be caught up in that identity and I see that a lot where people get caught up in their identity because I mean how can you not when your whole life is affected by this disease when you're in bad health not only affecting your health, it's affecting your relationships with people. It's affecting your ability to work. It's affecting your finances. It's affecting so many things that it's hard to not let it control your life. And then you build support systems around other people who are sick, but that can sometimes make it worse because then everybody's concentrated on the disease and it just solidifies that identity more and more. So you have to really break that and start envisioning the future that you do want and feeling into it as if that is your reality.
0: Well, for me, it relates so much to, well, let's see, I interviewed Bruce Lipton when he re- wrote his first book, how many years ago mm-hmm. but that was when I was doing ter- regular terrestrial radio. Mm-hmm. And then down through the years I've interviewed him a number of times. And there was at some point, maybe second or third interview that I really get clear about what he was talking about. The very first time I saw him lecture, he was really enthusiastic, but he was really much more talking about the DNA, RNA shift. And he was, you know, like using PVC pipes to show how it worked. And it was like, that was amazing. But it was yeah. a couple of years later as, as as his own thinking and how he expressed it. I think he stepped, tapped into some spiritual part himself, where mm-hmm. he really, we laughed because I coined the phrase Our cells are listening. Mm-hmm. And I and and I took that from the cells having antenna receptor sites that are they they're looking for something and they want what they're looking for they're looking for that hormone or that message or some sort of electrical signal and mm-hmm. that's when I we riff back and forth and got to our cells are listening because I think our cells are really listening I think when we oh, yeah. t- keep you know chronically say I have I am this I have that there are certain organizations where people testify about I am a something. And I'm thinking Mm -hmm. that just seems so bad to gather in a group and confirm that you're that. I've never (laughs) understood that. Never understood that. So that's why I'm such a fan of this.
1: Yeah, you're absolutely right. Right. Your thoughts literally turn genes on and off. You can have healing thoughts or you can have harmful thoughts, but I also want to say that, you know, it's a little bit stressful to think of like, oh my gosh, my body is listening to every single thought I have and to be upset when you have bad thoughts. And it's, it's normal for us to have negative thoughts too. So just catching yourself, starting to think differently, counteracting those with other thoughts and realizing that just like passion and self-love and all these other things are really important too. And it's normal. We're not, you know, having, we're not doing harm every time we have a negative thought that we can just kind of put some space between us and our thoughts because we are not our thoughts, you know, thoughts come and go and we don't have to give them that much weight either.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It always makes me pause and and go through my litany of what I've thought about myself and think, no, that was not good. (laughs) We have to to clear that out. Um, Yeah. And, I don't know why, but it leads me to I I know that you're also a a highly educated cannabis practitioner, meaning, you know, you have a certification in cannabis. And I'm -hmm. I'm wondering that in the early stages of some of these things is, let's say, a a full spectrum CBD dominant formula. Mm -hmm. And for me, when I say full spectrum, I know we agree about this, but I have to say it for the audience. I mean whole plant medicine. I'm not wild about Mm -hmm. extracts. I'm not wild about any of these things where you're taking substances out because I don't think we really know all the actions of everything that's in a plant. So let's try some of the whole plant. That's why I like full spectrum formulas. And so is there benefit for some people who have a good relationship or, or are open to that idea of using a CBD dominant cannabis formula for some of the nerve qualities that it gives some of the anti-inflammatory benefits. Can there be, is there space in there for cannabis in the Lyme community or is it still kind of a tricky issue? Cause people have stuff about
1: cannabis sometimes. I think it absolutely can be a helpful tool. Um, you know, again, it comes down to individualized care and what people are interested in, willing to do, able to have access to depending where they live Uh, But I agree with the whole plant. You know, you want that full spectrum because we do have that synergy and you can see that you need lower doses when you're using a whole plant medicine versus an extract of just one ingredient because everything does work together in a way that we can't understand because there's hundreds of cannabinoids. We don't even know them all yet. Um, So I always think of nature as being smarter than us and it's better to just allow it to do its thing while science kind of catches up. Um, So I do think that that has a place um, for somebody that it's a good fit for. And I think even THC dominant products can have a place as well, you know, depending on what the person is going through and what symptoms they have. And, you know, cannabis is, has some antimicrobial properties, so it might actually help in that way, but, For the most part, we use it for symptom management to help people with, you know, maybe it's anxiety, maybe it's sleep, maybe it's gut issues, whatever, whatever it is for them. Um, It definitely can help. And it just, it might take some time to find a product that works for somebody. Um, You know, the dosing is, is so different from patient to patient. And sometimes it takes trial and error, experimenting with different products to really find something that works. So sometimes people give up too easily before they find the right product and then other people just don't tolerate it. Or, you know, they just don't like it.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> Period.
1: <laughs> yeah. Or, you know, some people feel paranoid or they have whatever, um, you know, whatever preconceived notions they have, or, you know, there is a stigma that goes along with cannabis still um, for some people.
0: I, I have a, an old friend who, for years, she'd had some bad experience with cannabis in the 90s, or actually the 80s. And she was like, I'm allergic to the thing and the stuff, and I can't have it, and I can't apply it. And I quietly gave her some really high-quality skin cream that was cannabis-based, with using Mm -hmm. hemp oil as the foundation and other cannabinoids in there. And there's a trace of THC in there. And she used it for a couple of weeks and called me and said, oh, my God, my hands feel so much better. I can't believe it. What is this? And I told her, and she, like, flipped. Because you're like, you didn't do this thing. And then what I, you know, I, and that's like, no, that's your mind. You know, yeah. th- yes, that might have been true. You could have just been smoking bad stuff. There's that.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, but it was just the idea of, and it kind of goes to the same thing as you say, with the mindset. She had this yeah. predisposed idea that it was bad because she had an issue with it in the 80s. Yeah.
1: Really? Yeah. It's it always- a long time to hold on to that. It always comes back to the mind, you know, the placebo effect is a real thing. And so is the nocebo effect. If we think something is going to be good for us, we think something is going to be bad for us. It usually is because our mind has power as well.
0: Radical. I look forward to your book. Our mind has power as well. <laughs> that would be a great book. There's so many areas mm-hmm. to talk about that. Um, mm-hmm. Now, I'm, I'm going to jump back to gut health because I want to talk about things Sort of what I think, I think a lot of times when people talk about gut stuff, they think about maybe probiotics, they, they might think about prebiotics, but they don't really, and in our culture, we don't have any of these kinds of things like fermented foods like kimchi or natto or sauerkraut and things that are and not pasteurized, none of those can be pasteurized, they have to be just naturally fermenting. And Mm -hmm. do you think that it's a good thing to be doing some kind of fermented food on a daily basis? It doesn't have to be sauerkraut. It doesn't have to be kimchi. You know, natto is fermented soybeans, organic fermented soybeans, um, with a lot of benefits. Is that a benefit for people? Well, I think it's a benefit for people in general, but I'm asking specifically in the lime community. Wouldn't be all of these things as a foundational part really good also
1: anyway? Yeah, um, you know, it does depend where you're at in your healing. Some people are really sensitive to different foods. They might not be able to, to tolerate a lot of the fermented foods, and you know, depending what's going on in their gut. Um, but in general, for most people, I think, and, and and when we look at functional medicine, it's food before supplements is kind of the general um, theory with, with functional medicine. We focus on food first um, before jumping into supplements or medications. And so I think, you know, if you can find some foods that are rich in probiotics and incorporate those into your life instead of going right for the supplement, I think that that is usually a better way to go. Um, and yeah, I think for most people, that's going to be healthy to incorporate some kimchi or sauerkraut or whatever, whatever it is um, to, you know, feed, feed the good bacteria in your gut and get that microbiome healthy
0: it tastes good. Really, just to give it a chance.
1: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Any of
0: those. I'm a particular fan of, of natto, which is a very acquired mm-hmm. taste, and its texture is kind of weird. It's a little slimy, but I really like natto. Yeah. It. And it shows cardiovascular benefits, and it's a nice anti-inflammatory. And it, on rice with some soy and a little bit of wasabi, it's great. But it spooks most people because yeah. it's an it's a yeah. cultural product. It's more of a Japanese. The Japanese do a lot with it, but Not so much here. It's a little too like, what is that? (laughs) Kind of reaction. (laughs) And is there a particular diet for Lyme? Or is it, again, it's almost like an a la carte in terms of when you figure, when you work with somebody, you really have to look at the big picture and then begin to sort of approach into what they're receptive to. And, you know, what the thing is. But is there a particular diet for Lyme? A low-stress diet, I guess I'd call it?
1: Yeah, I mean, there's different diets that can work well. There's not necessarily one one Lyme diet for everybody. Um, but in general, you know, eat real, whole foods, limit sugar. So, you know, sugar is going to breed inflammation. It's going to cause issues. A lot of people need you cut out anything that's offending the gut, like, you know, gluten and dairy and corn and different things, at least in the beginning during the healing stages, that can be helpful. Um, you know, you could always do an elimination diet where you kind of eliminate everything and then slowly add things back to see what you tolerate. Um, you know, certain people have developed allergies to certain foods or they might have histamine issues and have to avoid certain foods. So the picture kind of looks different uh, for everybody. I would say, you know, just avoiding sugar would probably be like the number one recommendation. And then just honing in on on, um, what works best for you and just kind of depends on what else is going on in your life, too. Uh, For me, I I did, you know, cut out gluten and dairy and those kind of things and ate uh, more of a keto kind of diet. That's what made me feel good and gave me energy. Uh, Carbs just made me really drowsy. Um, but again, it's going to look a little bit different for everybody. Um, but you know, food, food before supplements. So if you can get in a lot of different vegetables, you can get in some phytonutrients, um, you know, make sure that you're feeding your body with nourishing things, getting your mitochondria to work better. And, you know, that's really the main focus on healthy things, nothing processed and avoiding sugar.
0: That sounds so radical. You mean don't eat food out of boxes? Is that what you're saying?
1: <laughs> that's, what I, that's what I'm saying. And it's usually better, you know, to cook your own food so you know exactly what's going in it as well. Mm-hmm.
0: And just shop around the perimeter of the store. That's sort of my yeah.
1: guideline. Yeah.
0: Just shop around the perimeter. Just don't go in the middle because it's a wasteland of weirdness. That's and good. eat yeah. real food. It's not... I was a chef for a long time. So for me, it's like really just, you know, eat a lot of vegetables and some protein of your choice or do it with yeah. rice and beans, but don't eat grains. Grains are too tricky. There's too much glyphosate conversation and too much, you know, the yeah. ag world is trying to figure this stuff out.
1: Yeah. So, yeah. I would, I would say you kind of have to avoid living like everybody else lives their life. Like you You have to avoid most of the grocery store, like you said, shop in the perimeter. You have to avoid most of the restaurants. I mean, fast food places, I wouldn't even consider that food. I wouldn't put that in my body, you know. um, There's just so many chemicals and preservatives and things out there in the world. So you just have to live your life in an unconventional way if you want to be unconventionally healthy, you know. Yeah.
0: I would have to, I would sort of surmise all the idea of fast food uh, by saying um, the impossible burger, just say no. That's all I have to say (laughs) about the impossible burger. Just no, no. So many ways, no. It's just.
1: I uh, agree with you.
0: (laughs) It's just amazing. Really? I've never, it does make me rant a tiny moment about the impossible burger. I've worked with a lot of vegans and vegetarians and particularly Mm -hmm. in the culinary world i've cooked for a lot of you know people would come into restaurants where i was cooking and say i'd like a vegetarian meal or a vegan meal and i knew what that meant and would cook it and always found it to Mm -hmm. be a challenge and i've never met a vegan who wanted a fake burger that bled that's not what they're looking (laughs) for in a vague burger ever so that's a weird thing to me like really they worked on inventing that
1: wow i didn't realize the impossible burger bled
0: Oh, they went out of their way to develop some sort of hemoenzyme so that it actually did look like it was bleeding, like you would a regular meat burger that has a little bit of juice that's red. They went out of their way to try and invent that.
1: Interesting. I did not realize
0: that. (laughs) Can't you hear the vegans screaming and running out of the room as I talk about that? (laughs) What? No. You must be kidding. And. So talk, you have a master class coming up really soon. Would you I talk do. about that? It made, it made me want to take it when we talked about yeah. that. That sounds really good. So talk about the yeah. master class coming up. Is that, I, the master class, I will say this. I think the master class that you have coming up isn't just for people with Lyme. I think it's a great, right. like, how to be healthy. What do you think? But yeah. please, talk to us about the master class.
1: Yeah, so um, it's called Survive to Thrive, the Three Devastating Chronic Illness Traps, and it's this week on Wednesday and Thursday, so we have two two different dates and times you can come to. It's with a colleague of mine, Summer Bozahora, Hora, and she is a powerful, mighty therapist. And we talk about a little bit of what I touched on with identity and things like that, um, but it's it's the traps that people get into that keep them in that downward health spiral where they just feel like they can't get out. And it's a lot of, a lot about mindset, a lot about mind body. And, and we give you tips on how to get out, how to get out of that downward spiral, how to think differently. Um, you know, if you don't make changes in your life, then nothing changes. And so we have some radically different ways of thinking of things. And so it's going to really, shift people's mindset so that they can start shifting their health. And, yes, it's not just for people with Lyme disease. Um, It's really for people that have any kind of mysterious symptoms. A lot of people with fibromyalgia, autoimmune issues, chronic pain will definitely benefit. And even if somebody isn't chronically ill and they just want to change their life and want to think of you know, realize how important, like, the mind and soul is in their health. It's it's really going to help anybody get to a better place of health and think radically different.
0: And how long is it? Is it recorded? All those kinds of questions. And I was meaning how many weeks is the class? How many hours is it in a session? Those kinds of things. Yes.
1: So it is something that uh, it's a 90 minute masterclass and we are not going to record it. We are going to do it live only. Um, we feel like it's much more powerful to do it live. We'll have a Q and a session so that we can you know, answer any questions that people have regarding their specific situations. And it's something that we plan on doing monthly um, so that people can, can catch it if they miss it this time around. Um, we didn't want to do a recording because it is, more personalized when we do it live, and we can really answer people's questions.
0: Hmm. I'm such a time shift person
1: as <laughs> a lifestyle. So, but uh, the
0: idea, uh, as I said when we talked a little bit about backstage, it just—it really did hit, it come to me as like I want to. I, there are a number of people I would like to go do that class because yeah. just the just in our own conversation pre-show. And now, it just seems like a, a lifestyle thing, not just a Lyme thing. And it how that
1: really is,
0: yeah, that's really well, powerful.
1: And that's kind of how I look at it. Like, in order to heal from Lyme disease, I had to heal my entire life. That's, that's really only
0: that. I, I love that. Only <laughs> that. I just had to heal my only entire that. life. It was that easy. Yeah.
1: So yeah, when somebody asked me how I got well, it's like. Well, the short answer is I had to heal my entire life. <laughs> now how much time yeah. do you have to heal the... Right. To all the... <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it is a journey. And, and one of the pieces in a, in a lot of the people that I either talk to or I read, I read a lot, is that piece that you really add in is the... I mean, you talk about gut health and mind, body, spirit. Mm-hmm. What I would call an equals in the sense of they're really... You really can't, well, you can, but it's such an arduous task to get truly well if you don't add the mind, body, spirit, in my opinion.
1: Yeah, I mean, it, yeah, if you're only looking at the physical, that's a third of the picture. So you're not going to be able to be in vibrant health and what I, where I like to get my clients, optimal, vibrant health. You know, we, we can get you better on a physical level, but in order to truly heal, you have to dig deeper.
0: tough. That's another great book title. Yeah. You have to dig deeper. Keep digging. <laughs> it's going to get ugly possibly in there for a few minutes, but it'll be great on the other side. Transition can yeah. be tricky. But it's really true. It's such a great, um, you know, just as I say, in reviewing your site, I cannot recommend highly enough that everybody go to limesupport.com and just wander around the blog and the articles you know, one of the articles that we didn't even talk about was the stealth passage of the Lyme disease. Mm-hmm. Just go read that. <laughs> just start there. <laughs> there's so much great information there for people to, because it is one of the great mystery illnesses. In my you know view of, as a herbal practitioner, you have things that people come in, and, and if they mention Lyme, it's just they're crying right out of the gate because they yeah. go from doctor to doctor, and there's this sort of, you know, they're, well, try this and try that. And at some point they get just like, oh, I give up. I have this and this is who I am. Oh, yeah. boy. start there. Mindset. Yeah. Powerful thing. Um, okay. So where would you like people to find out more about that? Is there, a, give, go ahead and give them that gnarly website and I'll put it in the one directly to the course and then I'll put yeah. that in the show notes for them as well.
1: Yeah, so if you just go to LimeSupport.com, you'll see a banner that you can click on to learn more right. or register for it. Or if you go to LimeSupport.com slash survive dash to dash thrive, you'll find the page directly where you can register. And people can also just find me online and send me a message if they're interested in coming. I can some more information so you can find me on Instagram at Christine Arsenault. So that's just my name. And I'll just spell my last name. Christine's with a C-H. And my last name is A-R-S-E-N-E-A-U.
0: And you also have a Facebook group? Is the Facebook group I private also, or is it public?
1: It is a private Facebook group. And it's okay. called Surviving, Surviving Lyme, Navigate Your Disease and Reclaim Your Health. So you can find me um, through that Facebook group as well. Great. All
0: right. I'll stop because there are only about another 200 questions. Uh, <laughs> that was awesome. Thank you so much. I can tell there's going to be a part two. There's so many questions. So yeah, much yeah I think
1: we have, we have a lot more we could dig into as we keep Easily. digging deeper. <laughs> That's
0: right. All right. Thank you so much, Christine. That was great. And everybody else thank have you. a great rest of the weekend. Bye-bye. All right.